So last night, I went to bed with every intention of getting sleep, good sleep. Um, we've had a busy week so far this week, me and Gina, um, and uh, we both were exhausted. And um, I had to accept the fact that I needed to sleep because uh, I was having trouble formulating sentences. I was having trouble staying awake and I really needed to lay down and rest. Um, how often do you think that? How often do you monitor how much sleep you're having? Let's ask another question. How many of you think you have insomnia? How many of you have been diagnosed with insomnia? What happens when you go and talk to your doctor and you say that you haven't been able to sleep? What do they tell you? Do they prescribe you a drug to take? Are you someone that self-medicates in order to get to sleep? Do you have to have a drink at night? Do you have to have a few drinks at night? Are you one that needs to have an edible? Are you smoking pot to go to sleep? This is an interesting conversation, a conversation that I never really thought to have when it came to filmmaking, when it came to being an artist, hell, when it came to living my life. I always looked at the crazy experiences that I had, staying awake, long runs, like I used to work. One of my first jobs was I was offered to work overnights, uh, setting up uh, kids' equipment for a company called Jimboree. I used to like uh, go under this super creepy church. I was like super young. I got hired, I should have been hired, but I was hired at like 15, 16 years old. And at seven o'clock at night on Tuesday nights, I would go down and set up all this gym equipment for the next day. And I'd be there until, you know, like 1.30. <laughs> Super illegal. Um, and uh, I loved it. It was this badge of honor. I liked the idea that I was out doing things when everybody else wasn't. The world felt like it was mine. Years later, I uh, was asked if I would work in a bakery. And I would do night shifts at a bakery. I would go into a bakery that was in a grocery store and defrost uh, the doughs and the bagels and all that kind of stuff at night. And I would start my shift at like seven o'clock at night and you'd go until the morning. I thought that was cool, working in a store where no one else was awake, no one else was out. Me and the few other people that I did it with, we felt like this group, this, this, this special platoon of Marines that could only work this late night job. Once again, I did that too early. And when my boss figured out how old I was, I immediately <laughs> was told to work the day shift. Um, and then fast forward to working in this business and being a director in this business and that, that urge, that need, that struggle to prove yourself, to get where you need to go, put your head down and push forward and do it. You know, and nothing else is more important than getting your film made. Nothing else is more important than uh, getting on that set, that being in front of that camera, right? That drives us, that drove me for so long to the point where it affected how I shaped my life, whether or not I was getting in relationships with folks that wanted the relationship to come first, whether or not I was gonna have kids, whether or not I'm going to have kids, I, I still don't know. This business, my obsession with this business has been my focus 
for over 20 years. And in that time period, sleep and restfulness has never been at the forefront. How many of you work in post-production and edit stuff and know that there's a deadline? And so you just crank through it. How many badges of honor do we have on our sweet jean jackets that are, I did 48 hours straight in order to deliver this project. I was, I did three weeks of overnights to do this scene or to color correct this piece. Uh, I was on this film for, for two months, six days, 15 hour days, overnights, no sleep. Then you start to hear the consequences of this. The crew member that falls asleep and kills himself when he's driving home. The flared uh, frustrations on set, the arguments, the fights, right? And for me, it sort of culminated as I got older, as I crossed into my 40s and I was having trouble healing. I was getting sick constantly. And really it was this show that made me think about it because I would try to get on the microphone and speak to you and talk to you. And you can go back and listen to the episodes. I could probably highlight the episodes in which you hear me using the wrong word. My vocabulary is already completely limited. So imagine trying to sift through <laughs> the crayon colored book of vocabulary that I have with no sleep. I was doing this show that I went, man, I fucked that up. I fucked up that whole interview. Why did I screw that up? Why couldn't I think of what I needed? Then you start to ask yourself serious questions. Why is it that on Monday I can speak well? <laughs> I can actually formulate sentences, but come Thursday, I'm having trouble. How much sleep did I get this week? Oh, well, you know, I sleep every once in a while. Or even worse, what I did was I diagnosed myself with insomnia. I just have insomnia, which you then wear as a badge. I know a lot of folks do. I've talked to people that hear that they find someone else that has trouble sleeping and they go, yeah, I have insomnia too. We're like vampires. We're like the night people, right? That's the badge of honor we wear. So when I had to try to fix it and I had to try to confront this thing, where do I go? Who do I talk to? I'm not one to take a lot of drugs and medication. I don't believe that medication is what repairs things. I think that it's important and there are, there are uses for it. And vaccinations are important and, and antibiotics are important. But when it came to sleep stuff, I was like, I don't want to just be knocked out. I shouldn't be knocked out. Maybe this relates to my head injury. Maybe this is a head injury thing that, that, that came about from, you know, if you guys haven't heard the episodes, go back and listen. But there was a point in time where I fell on the ice and I had a hematoma and multiple concussions. Maybe this is a head injury thing. So I started to talk to my doctor and they're just like, you need to, everything seems okay. You just need to get some sleep. Would you like some medication? No, I don't want that. That was a big thing for me. And as I talked to folks, that I work with in this business, they all were feeling the same way, right? How do you feel about your sleep levels? As an artist, as a musician, hell, just someone that likes the show. How often do you sleep? 
How many of you will say, oh, I didn't sleep at all last night. I haven't slept all week. Is that true? It occurs to me, and it didn't occur to me until after I read the book from today's guest, that I was sleeping. I just didn't know it. And how good was my sleep? How often was I going into REM sleep? How often was I going into that reparative sleep that we need? Then you start hearing about terms that you're just trying to figure out, like sleep hygiene. What is sleep hygiene? What does that mean? Whenever I think hygiene, I'm thinking brushing your teeth and like making sure that you clean yourself. What is sleep hygiene? Started to look into that. And that opened my eyes. And I was like, oh, right, of course. How can I expect myself to fall asleep when my room doesn't get dark? How can I fall asleep if my girlfriend snores? How can I fall asleep if I'm tossing and rolling because my sheets are really itchy? Or my back hurts and my back aches? Why did I let this stuff go? Why was I okay with this? Who was it that told me that I need a firm mattress. I don't think I need a fucking firm mattress. Why did I decide on that? How did I, wait a minute, how did I pick out my mattress? I chose this because it was the cheapest thing possible. Once again, I put that on a, as a badge of honor. I found this a great deal on this fucking mattress, but can I sleep on it? Fascinating stuff. I stumbled across a book. And I've talked about this book. I've done a prior episode on this. If you guys have missed it, I did a special episode on the effects of insomnia and how they affect creativity. Um, but I stumbled on this book, The Sleep Solution, and why your sleep is broken and how do we fix it. It's a book written by Dr. Winner, Dr. Chris Winner. Um, and when I read this book, I realized that insomnia, the definition of insomnia isn't what I thought it was. I realized that if I accurately wasn't, if I truly wasn't getting sleep, then I would die. And I thought I wasn't sleeping at all. Why did I think this? My brain was just twisted with this. And then I just realized how helpless I was with all this. And where do I go to? So I read this book and this book changed everything for me. And I'm not saying it's going to change shit for you. If you're having trouble sleeping, I'm not saying it's going to do the same thing for you. The one thing that it did for me was that I realized that for most people, the definition of insomnia is incorrect. That insomnia isn't necessarily the fact that you're not going to sleep physically, because if you don't go to sleep physically, you'll die. So, you know, I think truly if you had insomnia, you'd be dropping dead. Um, but at the end of the day, insomnia is about the frustration about not getting good sleep. And that frustration within itself keeps me awake. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you're in bed going, all I need to do is go to sleep and I can't fucking go to sleep. I can't believe I'm going to go to sleep. Okay, just calm down. Calm yourself. Calm yourself. Breathe. Think about breathing. Put on your face mask. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll put on some music or something. Look, you got to go to sleep. got to go to sleep. got to go to sleep. Two hours go by. You're still not fucking sleeping. Why are you not fucking sleeping? I've got fucking insomnia. I can't stand this. Why am I not going to sleep? Why am I not going to go to sleep? Calm down. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Four hours go by. You pass out. And then you wake up and you go, I haven't slept. Why am I not sleeping? Why am I not fucking sleeping? 
that has been my life. And when I started to read about it, I started to understand that I wasn't the only one going through that. And I started to realize what it was. And hey, buddy, maybe you should let go of that to allow yourself to sleep. Maybe you should stop stressing out about sleeping so much and just let it happen and create rhythms in which your body is ready for that. Okay. It changed my life, man. Really did. I'm not saying I'm the world's best sleeper right now. And uh, it's ironic that when I'm recording today's episode that I had a shitty night's sleep last night <laughs> because I'm taking this new medication uh, for something else that the side effect uh, was keeping me awake. Um, but uh, this book really changed everything. And I think, I've, I, think I've, I may have earned a few more days on my life because of it. So I wanted to introduce it to all of you. I wanted to bring it onto the show. So welcome to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. This is my show. This is the place that I come to talk about the shit that I love about the film industry, talk about the stuff I love about life, and uh, share with you. And what I love about my listeners on this show is you guys love to share back. A lot of you follow me on Instagram, at Mike Petchy, or follow the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod. You have been leaving reviews for the show. If you haven't yet, please do so on Apple Podcasts. I don't care if you listen to the show on Spotify or Overcast or any other spot. The unfortunate thing is only on that Apple Podcast app or on your desktop can you leave a review for the show that will affect the algorithm. So I'm not saying you should listen to the show specifically on Apple Podcasts, but if you want to help out the show's algorithm placement, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Super simple to do. So strap yourselves in and get ready because we're going to dig deep with uh, Dr. Winter on the effects of insomnia, on how to repair and how to understand your sleep process. And before we get started, a little disclaimer here. Uh, we had some technical difficulties uh, early on in the show. Uh, we ended up rebooting the show twice. He had some microphone problems. I'm going to try to cut it together and make it uh, as seamless as possible. But in the beginning of the show, the audio may be just a little abrupt. Don't worry, I stop quickly with him and we reset it. So uh, bear with it. If, if the audio is a little rough in the beginning, if we're not able to fix it in post, stick with it because it's gonna get to a good place. Uh, we start to talk about uh, bringing awareness to him that our industry has such an issue with sleep a deprivation and as we get to the back end of the episode he offers a lot of steps a lot of things that you can do and it isn't just going and getting his book and reading his book but it's stuff that you can do to sort of assess your situation and change your situation Whew. got all that out so strap in get ready for the brand new episode of in love with the process
Hey, Chris, thanks for being on the show, my man. Hey, I really appreciate it. It's really a, a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. I'm, let me just say this. I'm very excited to have you on the show um, because um, your book really changed. It changed, kind of changed my life. It changed the way I sleep. Uh, it actually uh, made me feel like I wasn't crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's important, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> let's talk a bit about um, how you how you became the uh, the sleep whisperer. That's what people refer to you as at this point. Like, why sleep? Nobody, you- nobody, nobody calls me that. Ariana Huffington called me that one time in an article. <laughs> to be very clear, I am I am referred to as the guy that leaves the seat up way more than I am the sleep whisperer. <laughs> Uh, if we're going to be honest here, <laughs> okay. Well, so why? Like, how did you get into sleep study? Like, why? Why sleep? What was your end for that? Yeah. So, I, when I was an undergraduate student back in the early '90s, I felt like I wanted to be, you know, a doctor. I'd kind of wanted to be a doctor for a very long time, and so I communicated with uh, a guy at my college who was, you know, getting you know, people sort of paired together with other doctors who might do some sleep research. And I thought, well, this would be a good idea to communicate with him and maybe get hooked up with some doctor, do some research, get a paper and maybe make my application to medical school look a little stronger. And (laughs) I just randomly got hooked up with this guy who did sleep research Hmm. and worked for him as I was an undergraduate. And, you know, never really thought it would be a career, but just kind of never left the field. I mean, you know, sort of like from undergraduate, I went to medical school and he introduced me to the guys at Emory University who are doing sleep research and worked for them while I was there and still thought, well, you know, I'm still going to be a surgeon or a pediatrician or something, but this is a great way to get some money and, and some more exposure to fields. And, you know, when it came time to sort of choose a career, I was like, I don't want to leave sleep. I've been in it for a decade now and I like the people in it and sleep's super cool and people love to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I just never left. And so here I am, I guess I'm 48, but I've been doing it for what, 30 years or something like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's weird to kind of stumble into the field that you want to be in the rest of your life that early, but I'm glad I did. It's, it's a lot of fun. It, well, dude, and it's it's such an important, and at least for me coming up, I, I really didn't give it the respect it deserved. It was never something, you know, you're told to like go work out, you're told to, you know, eat well, um, and you hear about sleep, but I, I never really respected it. I think there was a period in time where I was doing a lot of post-production when I was younger, and I had to swap to the night shift at the studio so i would start my work at like five o'clock and go all the way through and in the beginning it was wild and very exciting i had no idea the damage <laughs> yeah that doing and, and, and we we do a weird job of sort of rewarding the people who abuse themselves the most i mean one of the guys that i was working with on this production said you know, I'll sit with my wife in the evening and then she'll go to bed and then I work on some of my own personal projects. So that's a great time for me to get editing done. (laughs) You know, so my guess is if you are looking for somebody to to do your filming, Ross Kelly of Arcade Productions out in LA would be at the top of your list because man, that guy gets stuff done. Like, you know, we give it to the average guy and it takes him a week to turn it over. Ross, man, he's turning that thing over in 24 hours. Right. So I'm going to give it to him because he's helping me. And so 
I think that sometimes we have to look at what what are we rewarding, even in kids, and you know that do we reward intelligence, creativity, um, which Ross is all of those things, uh, but are we also rewarding the people who flog themselves? <laughs> yeah. um, because I think sometimes there's you know I remember looking around my medical school class and thinking there's smart people here, but there's also just people who have tremendous horsepower. Yeah. You know, who can abuse themselves and still be okay. Now it's not healthy, but they, and there's certain people who can't do it. You know, they just can't pull an all nighter and be somewhat coherent the next day. And I'm not sure that that's really the handicap we think it is. Yeah. I, I, I see. I got into this rhythm personally where, and before I got to your book, it got really bad where I would get, um, no sleep at the beginning of the week because I'd either be working really late on a project or even just in bed processing all the stresses that I had to process as far as work was concerned and pitching was concerned. And so like my Monday, Tuesday, I'd wake up and feel okay. And then by Friday, I couldn't even formulate sentences. I, I don't even know how I was doing the podcast later in the week. Um, and then I would just crash. My body would crash hard on like like Friday night or Saturday, and then I'd wake up and start the whole process all over again. God forbid if I went out and had drinks on Saturday night, then I would lose another night's worth of sleep. And it just, that was my rhythm. I thought that was what my life was because of it. Yeah, and, and I remember the same thing in residency where you would go to a friend's house on Friday night for a dinner party that your wife told you about when you got home from the hospital. <laughs> and you so you kind of pull yourself together and go and and you know, your neighbor hands you one beer. And then the next thing you know, my wife's waking me up in an irritated voice saying, let's go home. It's time to go home. And I realized <laughs> I've just fallen asleep on some random person's couch while the rest of the dinner party kind of happened. And, and yeah, so it's, it's interesting that we talk a lot about sleep deprivation in the media and, and, and a lot of individuals who have insomnia think that that's sort of pointed at them. Well, they get in bed, take some four hours to fall asleep. But really, Mike, all that information and all that stuff in, in my book and, and Matt Walker's book and Ariana Huffington's book, it's directed at you. Mm. And the funny thing is, if somebody says, Mike, man, I think you got a sleep problem. You could be like, no, I don't. I can literally fall asleep sitting in this editing chair. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the reason why you have a sleep problem, Mike, is that <laughs> it's not normal for you to be able to crash that hard during the sermon on Sunday. I mean, that's half the reason why I never went to church in medical school. It's like, I, there's no way I can stay awake during it. Right. No, so, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think God cares. I mean, I think he, he understands what's going on there, but I was too embarrassed just to sit down and immediately fall asleep when we start singing, you know, old ragged cross or whatever the, the hymn is, you know, number one. <laughs> well, it's not going to happen. Well, for me, I was having trouble. Like I, I admit that I listened to your book on Audible. I didn't actually read your book because I can't read for quite some time. I couldn't read books because I would sit down and start to get through like the first page and I'd pass out. I had, a, I had a woman who built a desk on a treadmill because of that. Isn't that ingenious? So, <laughs> so instead of dealing with the problem, we just, I had a truck driver who rolled his hair up in his window. So if he fell asleep, it yanked on his hair to oh keep him awake. God. So it's amazing how adaptive we are as humans that instead of, wow, I'm, I'm struggling to read more than a page of Dune before I fall asleep, you're just like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just walk my dog and read the book at the same time. They're problem solved. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I, I know there's a lot of folks that are listening to the show that are dealing with the same thing and, and, and know this. And so they're looking for answers. And uh, I highly suggest you read the book. I don't think we're going to be able to solve your problem just in this podcast. But I think one of the more interesting aspects of your book to me was was the theory of sleep hygiene. Do you want to talk a bit about, about that on the on the show? Sure. So sleep hygiene is basically controlling some variables that you can control on the at the, at the onset to make that sleep um, staging as good as well. Actually, staging is not a great word because there's stages of sleep. Sort of the setting the stage for your sleep tonight to be the best it can be. So you know, instead of going and having a, you know, a six pack before you go to bed, maybe abstaining <laughs> from alcohol or trying to have a drink or two very early in the evening when you get home from work, because we know alcohol sort of negatively impacts sleep, Yeah, making your room dark, making it quiet, making it cool. All, all the things that I think everybody in 2021 are well aware of at this point. I'm not meeting a lot of people like, wait a minute, dark bedroom? What are you talking about? Like, I thought it was supposed <laughs> to be really bright. No, nobody says that because everybody knows that. So, what I say about sleep hygiene is that there is a message out there that your sleep, if it's not working the way you want it to, is kind of your fault. You just haven't had the you know, found the right pajamas or the right alarm clock or the right lavender spray. And I think that we have to kind of look at sleep hygiene sort of like, I don't know, like exercise hygiene. Are you wearing the right clothes? If you're yeah. a runner, do you have the right shoes with good arch support? If you tweak your knee, maybe a little ice on it when you're done or some ibuprofen. But if you're saying, no, my knee's a little bit beyond tweaked, it looks deformed and it is excruciating for me to put weight on it when I run. So what do you think I should buy at CVS to fix that? I don't think you can fix that at CVS. I think you need to go immediately <laughs> to an orthopedic surgeon and talk to her about your knee. Yeah. Um, so, so this idea that we can fix our problems with the right sleep hygiene. No, I think sleep hygiene is like 15% of the battle. Like, yeah, I mean, I think if your room is noisy or you got a brother who's you know next door to you in your bedroom who's making a bunch of noise or has a drum set or something, yeah, there's some things you could clean up about the hygiene of the situation that can make a big difference in terms of your sleep. But once you've kind of done those things, the bed is comfortable, the clothes are cool, it's dark, it's, you know, whatever – I think that if you're still struggling with your sleep, it's okay. We just need to get a little bit more aggressive about the matter than, you know, a pair of sunglasses or, you know, a, a, a weighted blanket or something. Well, I also, you know, that was a big thing for me though, because I don't know why I just never really, I was always one of those, I still am. I'm one of those people that my philosophy is like, just put your head down and do the work and get through it. And that's kind of how I do a lot of like hard to do stuff. And when I decided to, to tackle this business, it was a life choice where, you know, kind of giving up on a lot of like the stuff that normal people have, like, you know, making a lot of money, you kind of you got to deal with whether or not you're going to have a family, at what age you're going to have a family and whether or not you can afford to have a family. And I think one of the last things that I ever really took care of was my sleeping situation. And yeah. I, I was totally one of those. I came up as a kid that was like, find a good deal on a mattress. And so I'd brag more about finding a mattress that I was sleeping on that I got for cheap money than it being a comfortable mattress for me. And like I said, when I crossed into my 40s, my body was like, dude, we can't, we can't do this anymore. Who told you you need a firm mattress? That's not necessarily what it is that you need. <laughs> um, so 
I guess when I read your bit on sleep hygiene, I know we assume that a lot of folks know this, but there's a lot of, like I'll go hang out with my friends that work in the industry and they're sleeping on a mattress on the floor and there's like old sheets over the windows. I'm like, what is this, a fucking flop house? Like where are we? <laughs> and the, I mean, this is, this is enlightening to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, this, yeah. this idea that there are pockets of individuals out there who either don't know it or the culture within where they work, there's this sort of a, there's a sort of a, it's a, it's a metal that you wear on your chest that, like you said, when somebody walks in and there's this ratty old mattress on the ground and production equipment everywhere. And you can tell the person's just kind of been editing, 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 took an hour break, took a nap, woke up, slammed a Red Bull and back to the editing process there might be a sort of cultural cachet that that carries versus, all right, guys, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to pick up tomorrow at eight o'clock after a good breakfast and a good night's sleep. Like that's not, and that's something we battle. Like I work also outside of professional sports, a lot in the military. Yeah. And so it's interesting that you might be sort of shining a light or a spotlight on a group of individuals that really, that message hasn't really permeated yet, you know, that that's, or it has, but it's just so culturally ingrained in what you do as a filmmaker that we just, we haven't gotten to that point yet. So it is interesting because I do feel like, well, everybody knows this stuff, right? But maybe they don't. Dude, like post-production is a huge thing. So post-production, there's never enough time, there's never enough money, and you have these insane deadlines. And now that everybody has their phone, and especially a lot of folks that have kids or have families, they don't start texting, they don't start looking at emails until the kids go to bed. So they start yeah. sending notes at like nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, and you're expected to be someone that is responding to those notes and responding to that stuff in order to make your deadlines, in order to stay competitive in the three bid process and everything else. And there are a lot of younger uh, post-production uh, folks that um, are working out of their homes. and. I don't know how many times I've worked with kids in the past that are either doing compositing work or sound work and you go into their space and their computer is in their bedroom. Oh, I'm sure. And so the idea that you're going to just roll out of bed in the same clothes that you were in bed with and you just get to work when you get a text in the middle of the night, that completely fucks with your your sleep process and your health process. And, and the, you look at these kids that are like hopped up on like, you know, on sugars and sodas, or if they're like self-medicating to stay awake, whatever, whatever it is they're doing, um, it's, it's, you could see the life sort of draining out of their face when you go and you, you physically hang out with them. You know what I well, mean? You know, it's interesting, Mike, you're bringing up an interesting point that if I'm the owner of an NBA team, I really don't want my athletic trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, and certainly my athletes to abuse themselves because what I'm trying to do is to win and to create smart investments in talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same thing could be said for the military. You know, I, what is to be gained if we're going to abuse our soldiers as they try to accomplish whatever their directives are? But there's an interesting, you know, I've never really thought about it. There's an interesting disconnect. I mean, if I'm putting together the movie Dune, Mm -hmm. I I don't really, I mean, this sounds terrible, but I I would imagine that I don't really care about the 
the sleep of the second unit sound producer. I'm making up titles here. I have no idea what that even is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, sure. I just want that shit done. Get it done. Get it done because HBO and the world is ready to see Timothy Sham, you know, Shamley and, and Zendaya play mm-hmm. these iconic characters. And so I don't really want to hear from Steve Johnson in, you know, uh, the Bronx as he's trying to edit this sound that he's, you know, his kid's sick and, and might have COVID and he's not going to be able to get it done on time. So I can imagine that there's a certain disconnect there. Sure. Maybe yeah. that doesn't exist exactly in other, you know, sort of industries where everybody's kind of in it together, where, you know, it's kind of contracted out that, listen, you know, you also need to get the next gig. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, you know, here's what's fascinating about it, because this is, I don't know how much you know about it right now, but this is what's been going on in our industry with the the union strikes. And we uh, recently had deaths on film sets. And there's there's a weird culture around our business that is you should feel fortunate to do whatever it is you do. Because most of the time when you're younger, we spend so much time just begging. Can I please be the one that does this? Can I please be the one that is on this set? Or can I please be the director or the sound guy or whatever it is? And so that culture um, sort of internally, when you're that worker, the last thing you're thinking about is taking care of yourself. The last thing you're thinking about is, oh, I should get some good sleep here because there's been such a, a compressed amount of time where you're like, I'll do fucking anything to do this. This is my career. This is my this is my dream job. And thousands and thousands of people want the same position. And if I get this position, I'm incredibly lucky. Now, there are two different sides to it. There are the producers, not all producers, but there are producers out there that take full advantage of that shit when they're billing things out or they're quoting things out. How fast can you get it done? What's your turnaround time? How cheap can you get it done? And so I think that what I'm trying to do with this episode is just awaken us, the workers, because I didn't think about it. And a lot of my friends don't think about it. And a lot of people that I know don't process sleep and how important sleep is for us not only to survive as a human being, but also for us to do our jobs correctly. And you hear these stories about crew people that are on uh, shoots uh, five days, six days a week, 15 hour days that are literally in their cars driving home and falling asleep at the wheel and dying because they're not sleeping correctly. And they're not even considering that, that that should be a priority for them, you know? Well, I mean, I think that that's a very admirable goal. And I think that I'm, I'm certain that there are people who are listening to this right now saying, well, that's me. And yeah. the idea that you can't fall asleep and kill yourself or hurt somebody else, which may actually be worse in some situations, I mean, for some yeah. people. Um, I mean, we've all kind of been through those times where I don't remember driving to work. Like, I don't remember where I parked because I don't have a recollection of actually getting in the car, driving to work. But even though I know I did, yeah. that's how sleep deprived I am. Or you find your phone in the refrigerator. You were just... Yeah god awful things like that or even just being aware that when you were driving like you've checked out for a minute which is a terrible feeling so i, I do think that the, the 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 brief glimpses that i've had behind that black curtain i don't get the impression that a lot of people feel like they're living their healthiest life because yeah. of exactly the things you're saying yeah i just i think that a lot of people will just say i have insomnia you know what I mean? And I think that that terminology is sort of like a blanket at that point where they're like, what kind of drugs can I take? 
What kind of stuff yeah. can I do to in, induce sleep? And I, I thought that's where I needed to go. And it wasn't until I started to go through your process and read that book that I realized that I don't have insomnia. I'm just really shitty at sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so just, you know, it's, it's like sort of seeing somebody who's coming to your house at all hours of the day and night expecting food. There's no way to predict it. So you wouldn't really do anything. You would just, you know, when he showed up, you'd turn on the oven and make him a meal versus the guy that comes to your house every day at seven o'clock and wants a sandwich. Well, you can really be prepared for that. You could have a couple sandwiches made and ready to go. Like, it's just a lot easier for us to basically anticipate something than it is to respond. Yeah. And for a lot of individuals in, in your, your, your line of work, their brain is just kind of given up years ago trying to figure out, oh, when's exercise? What's that exercise time? It's whenever. Oh, when's meal time? That was the thing I was always kind of struck with, with like, I'm okay, but are you going to, are y'all going to eat? Like we haven't eaten since breakfast and that was a Pop-Tart because we had to hurry up and get this thing done because of what happened the day before. So, yeah, you know, you just kind of look at your watch like, dear God, it's 7.30 PM and nobody's eaten. Yeah. No. You know, and, I, and nobody's going to raise their hand and say, okay, well, I think I'm going to stop for now and go get something to eat because it's always like, it's just like 17 people, 37 people who are all kind of doing the same thing. The makeup artist, the sound person, the guy operating the fan, the second assistant, all these people, the person who's monitoring, make sure all the COVID protocol, nobody's going to say out loud, okay, I think we should take a break. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to do that. It's like when we were in the hospital, the attending got to call the shots. Uh, so a lot of times my wife would be like, why are you not home? I'm like, I don't know. Well, what's going on? Well, I'm waiting for my attending to come so we can go see our patients. Where, where is he and when's he coming? I have no idea. He hasn't communicated with us. Uh, so what are you doing? Just sitting here waiting for him. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like one person controls many. Yeah. It's difficult. And it, it, and what they try to do when you're working on our stuff, if you're on a union set, there are folks that are designated um, like uh, shop stewards. There are people that are supposed to be there watching out for the crew. And there are rules in place on when you're supposed to have meals. There are rules in place for turnaround. I can't believe that we have to have this in our industry, but they have rules for turnaround time where you have to give an adequate amount of time in between when you have someone back on set. Um, which is nuts to me. And I, it really comes into play when you're shooting stuff in the day and then you start to have to sw shoot all the night scenes. So like the entire yeah, yeah. thing shifts at that point. And there's a lot of corners that get cut by producers because they're like, I don't want to lose a whole, I don't want to lose a whole fucking day so that everybody can catch up on their sleep. Can we condense this a bit so that I can gain more scenes and gain more stuff, which is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Um, and... It, I I can't control what the producers do. What I can control, what I can sort of try to do is enlighten us, the the workers, because like I said, I just wasn't even, sleep was, if I had a list of the most important things in my life, sleep was probably like down at like 46 on that list. <laughs> you, you know what well, I it's mean? It's like I always tell people like you, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. And all of us, as we get older, are going to have to come to that reckoning. You know, at some point you're like, it's like you said earlier, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I think that those things are important, particularly when, you know, when you look around at these situations we're talking about, I never got the impression it was, ma there was malice. Yeah. 
it was just sort of a, a disconnectedness like, oh, I forgot. Yeah. I mean, we were, I was so wrapped up in this and wanting this that I just completely forgot that we hadn't eaten because they're not eating either. So it's not like I'm going to go eat. You all keep working kind of thing. It's just sort of a collective amnesia almost although you're just kind of all wrapped up in it and really having fun and yeah you know oh my god that looks so good that worked out so well and you just kind of forget that yeah we got to take care of ourselves in this process because there is something sort of intoxicating about the whole thing well and then the other the, the side effect of it is is that you work and you hustle and it's the most intense thing that you do and this is something that for years doing music videos and being around musicians it's the same kind of thing for these guys too when they're touring is that you come off of it, you come off of that film or off that that tour that you've done and you still can't sleep because your system is yep. so fucked up at that point. Um, and Hurt Locker. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It's kind of feels like, I mean, I, I can't say what it feels like to be in the military disarming bombs, but that sort of zero, 60, we always talk about zero to 60 in 2.2 seconds. The 60 to zero in 2.2 seconds is rough too. Yeah. Right. You know, just that kind of, you know, that buzz. And, and you, when you talk to like trauma surgeons, they're kind of like that too. Like they're just completely disinterested in the kid's five-year birthday party. <laughs> right. you know I mean, like, it's like, right. you can just, I just love to look at them. Like, you know, you get invited over there and you know, he's like some big, you know, trauma surgeon. You just kind of watch him during the whole situation. Like just looking for an excuse to go back to the hospital. <laughs> So we can't quite plug into that kind of meandering pace of the <laughs> princess birthday party. Okay, folks, it is time to uh, talk about our sponsors, talk about the people that make this show possible. And before you skip ahead, uh, just take into consideration you might skip past some stuff that uh, I talk about because I tend to go off the rails uh, when I do these ad reads. So first up, let's talk about today's guest and today's book, The Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How Do We Fix It, written by... Dr. Winner, Dr. W. Christopher Winner. Um, I listened to this book. I didn't read this book. Uh, we talk about it on this episode. Uh, if I, for quite some time, if I started to read a book, I would just fall asleep. Somehow, that focus that came from trying to process what was on the page, I'd be out like a fucking light after two or three pages. So I started to listen to my books. I started to listen to my book content while I rode my bike. Uh, and it's one of my favorite things to do. And Chris actually uh, recorded the book with his own voice. So it was like I, I got to meet the doc uh, while listening to it. And I did that on Audible. Now, if you are going to use Audible to do it, why not sign up for a 30-day free trial? If you haven't done so already, uh, do it using our code, which I will embed in the description of this episode because um, everybody that signs up for a 30-day free trial using our code, uh, we get paid on the show. It goes to making the show possible, which really helps us out. And I know you guys are all gonna be scrambling to read this book, get your hands on this book. Why not listen to it on Audible? And at the same time, 
why not be helping me out? So let's just say here, I'm going through and uh, looking at the ad read that I should read here. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks ranging from the bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to daily news digest from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Um, one of the cool things about Audible is that you can download titles and listen to them anytime, anywhere, any place offline doesn't make a difference. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. You can listen across devices without losing your spot, which is great. And if you decide that you want to, if you can't decide what you want to listen to, don't worry. You can hold on to your credits for up to a year and use them to binge a whole series if you'd like. Let me decipher this for you guys because this is just me doing an ad read. Basically, uh, after the 30-day trial, you'll pay to use Audible. Every month, that payment goes towards a credit for a book. And more often than not, that monthly payment is cheaper than what it would cost for you to get the book, which is great. And then what happens is it takes you a little while to read books. And so you're worried about the credits that are building up. I built up my credits and then just got my books. And here's the other thing that I probably shouldn't say about Audible, but if you are using it for 30 days and you wanna cancel, no big deal, we still get paid. But on top of that, uh, you still have access to that book. You own that book, it's on your, your, your app so you can do it. So if you just wanted to sign up for the 30 day trial to get Dr. Winner's book, why not do it? Be 100% honest with you guys. Um, so like I said, sign up for our um, Audible trial using our link, which is embedded in the episode description below. Super simple to do. Uh, I don't wanna tell you, I think we changed what our custom link is. So definitely click the link in the episode description. Supporting the show, as always, our good friends over at Puget System. If you're one of these poor sons of bitches that are keeping yourselves up late at night and not sleeping, trying to reach your deadlines, and one of the worst parts about editing is when your system, for some reason, starts to crash or the render takes like five, five hours too long, right? How many of you have not gone to sleep and you're just staring at that render bar on your screen? Change it, man. Change your system. Go out there and get yourself a PC. Yes, I said it, a PC. I love my Puget System PCs. I've been cutting on them for over seven years. Everything that I've done that you've seen has been cut on a PC uh, and they don't crash. Puget Systems comes with real customer support. Can you believe it? An actual person on the phone that knows your machine, knows your stuff. So when you chat with them, you get real answers. These guys are up to date on what's going on. So when there's a fucking crazy software update and there are all sorts of problems, I always reach out to them going, guys, what the fuck is happening? And they're like, we're on it. We're figuring out, we're diagnosing this stuff. We're benchmark testing things. We'll let you know what the fixes are. Head on over to PugetSystems.com. They have a great community there. They talk about uh, PCs. They build great PCs. Here's what's great about them. Full transparency, they don't manufacture equipment. So they're not peddling off their stuff on you. A lot of these different companies make their own hardware. And so they're always going to force you to buy specific pieces of hardware that are stacked up in their warehouse that they have to sell. Puget Systems doesn't do that. They actually take their know-how with all the software, all the hardware that is out there, 
benchmark, test this stuff, put it together, and build you a custom PC for your needs. You can choose a computer based upon the software you use on the website, and uh, then they want to hear from you. You can talk to them and say, hey guys, I've got this much money. This is the weird thing that I'm doing. This is the problem that I'm having. What do you suggest? Great fucking place. Awesome dudes. Love those guys. Really cool guys to go out and have beers with. Head on over to PugetSystems.com and check out what I'm talking about. Also, supporting the show, buddies over at Black Magic. Uh, you've heard me talk about it in the past. I love shooting with my Black Magic uh, cinema camera, my Pocket 6 Pro. Love it. Um, it's so cool to have a camera that shoots raw files um, and sh- high quality images. Uh, it has like really great embedded audio on it, by the way. Because that's something, because uh, if I'm doing like a big job or if I'm doing like a big movie, usually working with one of the larger rigs, right? So like an area Alexa, maybe you're using Red. But the problem I always have with Alexa is that they don't have onboard audio. I don't understand why. And there've been quite a few shoots that I've done music video shoots that I forgot to get the fucking microphone for the camera and I'm syncing things up. Oh my God, with lips, lip syncing, it's the worst. And it's my fault because I forget that those cameras don't come with onboard audio. It's what I love about this Blackmagic camera thing is that it does and it shoots raw files. And if I needed a B-roll camera, if I needed a second unit camera, if I had to do additional shots for a film, I like the fact that I have an affordable rig in my house so I can just shoot that stuff. Half of my cutaways that I did in 12 cam, all those really cool close-ups and stuff, I shot those in my basement. There's a video uh, somewhere deep on my Instagram of how we shot the tunnel stuff, which was me in a DSLR shooting down this like tiny little miniature tunnel that we did in our basement, the crew. I like that stuff. It's a necessity. It's, a, it's an intricate part of how I make my films. And I wanted to have a camera that could hold up to the larger ones that I would use on a set. And uh, Blackmagic's uh, 6K Pro. I love it. The Pocket Cinema 6K Pro. It's great. So head on over to Blackmagic. The link is embedded in the description of this episode. By the way, make sure you click all those links because people are keeping track of how many of my listeners go there. And as long as you guys just click through, um, then we'll continue to have sponsors, which will continue to make the show possible. Okay? Also supporting the show, uh, Quasar Science, uh, one of the best advancements in uh, LED technology uh has been uh the bicolor tubes the low power draw units that uh create consistent colors of the rainbow consistent uh, tungsten and daylight balanced lights um and one of the best companies in the market for these tubes is quasar science i love those guys head on over to quasarscience.com check out all their cool new toys if you're looking to buy some new light gear um, i think you are going to love what you see was that what does that add i guarantee it those like gentlemen's barrels or something uh, but head on over to quasar science and definitely check it out um also supporting the show um as always um are you the listener i've had so many great people uh responding to my calls for guest suggestions i've had so many great people uh, signing up and leaving reviews for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, please do so. I like to read the reviews on the show. Uh, we'll take a second here 
now and i'll read some of the new reviews that we have um Here's, a, here's one. Uh, an awesome, informative show. Mike Petchy has an excellent way of explaining the film industry from an insider's perspective that is easy to digest for anyone who lives on the outer rim. This podcast has a lot to bring to the table. There's so much to absorb in just one podcast. Uh, hold on. My phone just went into the Wi-Fi network. Come on, knock it off. There's so much to <laughs> there's so much to absorb in just one podcast that after a few episodes, I feel like I could give a lecture on film theory. Excellent 10 out of 10. Well, thank you so much, Fuzzy Meow, the name. Uh, she left a review or he left a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. If you scroll down past about 10 episodes, you'll see a place, star of the show, and leave a review. All right. And uh, if you like the show and you want to listen to more episodes on lifestyle, if you want to listen to the prior episode that we did on Insomnia, head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. Click on episodes, click on experiences, and you will see the special episode, The Effects of Insomnia and Creativity. And this is where I talk about, uh, I go further into detail on my steps after reading Chris Winter's book. And uh, we talk about mattresses and everything else. Um, so head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com for more information. Let's get back into it. My, um, my brother, who's a paramedic, and he's a firefighter and paramedic, I think they have it a bit worse than we do for sure because they do – I don't know how they're allowed yeah. to do it where they do 24-hour shifts. And, so, and oftentimes they'll do 48 hours in a row, like two 24-hour shifts, and they're expected to do that, which is yep. pretty insane. And then it's like – It's interesting. That was, one of the, that was one of the shows we actually shot. So we were actually embedded in a big – big Texas city's fire department for a couple days and live their life. And so I kind of committed that, Hey, when you get up, I'm going to get up and slide down the pole and get in the truck and go to you, man. It was constant. Yeah. I mean, half the time we would get a call when we were out on a call. So we wouldn't even go back to the station. We just go right to the next thing. And it's not just fires, it's fires and medical emergencies and any kind of situation um drug overdoses they're pulling that massive million dollar fire truck out of the garage and rushing to it every time so it's not only a fragmented sleep but it's like relax intense relax intense yeah. relax just over and over for that 48 hour period so yeah how in the world you would go home for 48 and settle into any kind of rhythm that was comfortable before you went back into it again, it's probably easier for your body just to stay on a knife's edge all of your life. Yeah, which then shortens your lifespan at that point, right? Oh, absolutely, no question. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Another thing that I really that really sticks with me after reading your book was this uh, story that you had in there, and I'm probably gonna mess it up, but 
uh, it was this bit where you were running your your uh, practice and you had a um, a uh, patient that was out in the uh, waiting room and you went out and you literally woke up that patient because they were sleeping in the chair and then you sat them down in your office according to the book and you asked them uh, how have you been sleeping and they're like I haven't slept <laughs> and you had just woken that person up and they didn't even realize that they were sleeping is this a normal yeah, thing perception it is I, I think perceptions of sleep are not great. And it works in a lot of different directions. I mean, I think that there are people, if you ask me, Chris, how much do you sleep? I'd say about seven hours a night. I, I don't know that my wife or my sleep trackers would agree with that. They'd be like, oh, you know, on a good night, maybe, but you're closer to six to six and a half most nights. So I think there's some people who overestimate their abilities to sleep. And then like that person, I think there's people who underestimate their sleep. I mean, there's people who sleep all night. And if you ask them, how much do you sleep? They'll tell you, I don't know. I'm lucky if I get one or two hours, which does not sort of calculate with their partner or their fitness tracker. So we have to be very careful when we're dealing with patients and their sleep problems that we certainly want to hear what they have to say. It's important. But when somebody says, I, I don't sleep, and I've had many patients say that, and when you ask them, well, can you clarify what you mean by that? They'll say, well, I mean what I mean. I don't really sleep. I get in bed and just kind of sit there all night long, and I have for years. Then we have to be very careful that we're not taking that at face value. We can take that there is a significant issue going on with the sleep, but the problem that we deal with a lot of times is that when a physician hears that, their first response is, oh, well, then I need to drug you because right. I think that not sleeping can be very dangerous and it sounds like you're not sleeping. So we need to get you to a place where you are sleeping. And one of the themes of my first book is, and it's in my second book as well too, is that we all need to get outside of this box or this way of thinking that there are people out there who can't sleep and that we need to fix that. That, that is a problem that does not exist in nature. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that people sleep well, they sleep consistently, they sleep in a healthy manner at all. But this idea that people can't sleep, it's important we dispel that myth because that alone can be helpful for some people knowing that, hey, it may take you a little while to fall asleep. But if we you know, filmed you over 30 days and certainly people in your – I've always thought, here's, a, here's an idea for a show, Mike. Um, <laughs> I, I want to do a show where people who can't sleep – um, right in, or we could do a show where people who sleep really well, right in, you could do it both ways. And so, you know, I'm going to solicit through the country, people who are excellent sleepers. Uh -huh. and what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer you a million dollars. And all you have to do to get the million dollars is I'm going to show up with a bunch of cameras. Mike's going to be in charge of the whole situation. We're going to rig up your bedroom so we can see exactly what's going on at night. Then I'm going to walk out as the host and say, okay, Carl Simpson from Topeka, Kansas, uh, here's your chance to win a million dollars. America's watching. Good luck. I'm going to take this massive prop hourglass and flip it over. It's going to have three <laughs> hours of sand in it. And all he has to do to win a million dollars is to fall asleep before the sand runs out. I don't think we'd ever give that million dollars away just because of the pressure that would put on that individual to sleep. Um, so I, you know, there's all kinds of interesting things that we need. But taking away the idea that you can't sleep from people's collective consciousness, I think would be very helpful. It, it helped me, man. And it, I think it was uh, a line in your book where you were like, if, if you actually were not getting sleep, you would die. 
right? Isn't that the case? Like if you weren't going to sleep, yeah, you would or die. you'd be incredibly sleepy and driven to sleep. Like I tell people all the time, the starving individual who miraculously stumbles upon an all-you-can-eat buffet who walks inside and says, huh, I don't see anything in here I want to eat, never happens. You know, so when people are starving, they are incredibly motivated to eat. In fact, they'll probably eat food out of the restaurant's trash can if they can find it. So this idea that we are not sleeping and then when given the opportunity to sleep, huh, shucks, can't do it. That's not the way these primary drives in our body work. So sure, you could sleep deprive somebody. I mean, you know, in the military, they do it all the time and research protocols. But what you design and what you create is a monster that is massively driven to sleep. Like I had a buddy who fell asleep in medical school and fell into a patient. What? Like when you're a medical student, you just, yeah, no, you just stand there and you hold the retractors for the surgeon. Like you don't do anything. You don't speak and you just, you know, you, you scrub in and you think you're really important and they hand you a retractor and you hook it into the, you know, the body cavity and you pull back. So you and your buddy on the other side of the patient are pulling opposite and you're creating a space for the surgeon to work in. And they, uh -huh. if they're nice, they'll let you do some stitches or kind of explain what's going on. But basically you just stand there for hours holding that retractor. And I remember looking at this friend of mine and I could tell he was really sleepy. And I wasn't really allowed to speak, but you're kind of like looking at him with your eyes like, oh God, you know, hang in there, Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, come on, you know. And all of a sudden he just kind of went limp and fell forward and his face went right into that hole. Wow. And then he immediately woke up and stood up and the surgeon just went crazy, went ape shit on the guy. Oh my I will God. make sure you are never allowed anywhere, you know, just kind of that oh thing. Oh my but, God. You know, but the thing of it is when somebody's sleep deprived, you, you, at some point you can't control it anymore. Your body's going to be like, well, okay, I'm taking over now. And even though we're driving down the road, we're going to take a little break here and nap. Yeah. And that's when people die. And so, you know, sleep's a runaway train. The idea that we have that much control over it is probably not entirely true. Yeah. And when I started to understand that, because I just assumed that I was up all night, I just assumed that I wasn't getting the kind of sleep I needed. And then when my body started to tell me like, hey, dude, what you're doing is affecting your health and you can't like the fact that you can't formulate sentences is ridiculous. Like <laughs> that stress uh, of like, OK, so now I need to fucking sleep. And I had to like process this like, OK, so what am I doing wrong? How am I doing this? Before I started to read your your work, I didn't know where to go in, in the the thought was like medication. Like I, I hear about people that will go out and and get medication that knocks them out. But then I hear that their sleep isn't that good. Like, how do I, how do I deal with this? So if someone's listening to the show, cause we've kind of gone all over the place and I, I want to sort of drive it home for them. If they're listening to the show and they realize, look, I, my sleep sucks. I didn't even know my sleep sucks. What is the, what is a good process for them to sort of understand it in, in a, a, like a good place to start for them? You know? Yes. Yeah, so it's a great question. And I think, you know, talk without practical solutions is sort of just noise in the wind. So I think the first place to start is to understand that people who are incoherently speaking or nodding off at stoplights, it's happening either because your sleep is not adequate in terms of its quantity or it's not adequate in terms of its quality. So I think the first place to start is 
if things that you're describing in this podcast are resonating with a listener, the first question is, and you might want to have your significant other with you as you answer it out loud, are you getting enough sleep? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is I'm not, or if you say yes, but your girlfriend says absolutely not, your girlfriend's right. <laughs> so we have a saying in our clinic, wives are never wrong. Uh, you know, oh, I don't know why I'm here. I sleep plenty. And the wife's like looking at him like, what are you talking about? So I think that's the first thing that you need to do is you need to be honest with yourself. Yeah. And if you're feeling like, well, I'm getting five, six hours a night, that's not enough. You know, that's, that's a credit card debt that, you know, you're like, only, you know, charging a hundred dollars a month on it and not paying it right. But at the end of a, a year, that's $1,200 of debt you've accrued and the interest and all the negative things that go along with it. So I think that if the question, if the answer is no, 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 I'm, I'm getting tons of sleep. I get home, I sleep for three hours. I wake up, I have some dinner. I go back to sleep, sleep for another seven or eight hours. And I'm still completely exhausted during the day. Then I think the question sort of looks more towards, well, the quantity's there, but maybe the quality's off. And so one of the things that I always stress with individuals who might be working in the field that you work in, Mike, is maybe I can't convince you or even we can't even figure out together a way for you to get a quality, consistent eight hours of sleep every night. But I think step number one is we need to make sure that the six or seven hours of sleep you're getting or less mm -hmm. is really, really good quality sleep. And I think that all of that probably starts with some of the things you were talking about. Is your room dark? Is it cool? Does your girlfriend snore? Is the dog in the bed with you? Are you using alcohol or other substances to sort of cut corners? You know, you're smoking marijuana every night to knock yourself out or taking melatonin gummy bears or Ambien, mm -hmm. Trazodone, you know, red, you know, red wine, whatever it is. You know, if you're feeling like, no, I'm exercising a ton. I eat great. Um, doing all the things I need to do. My bedroom is a perfect example of what it should be when you sleep. Then I think it really becomes, it might be time to see a sleep specialist. I mean, yeah, read my book. But I think my book can only go so far. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thrilled that it helped you. I mean, if the yeah. book helps one person, it's done its job. But you know, for some people, if you're feeling like it's just not enough, there are people out there who can get your sleep situated. I mean, I remember just at the end of that filming, thinking, God, I just want all these guys on this film crew to come to Virginia and and, and let me help them. <laughs> I mean, they're so talented. They're so good at what they do. I'd like for them to be doing it for a very long time, but it's amazing. God, I hope none of them are listening. But I remember, you know, I, one of the things that we do, I've always done ever since I started seeing patients decades ago is I always try to guess their age and weight mm -hmm. before I look at it, what it is on the chart. Mm -hmm. And I will say, um, and I don't mean to be offensive about this, individuals in your industry look older than their stated age. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh for my sure. God, you're 38? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like 10 years older than I am. So I just think it's a tough life. It's yeah. a tough, demanding, jealous life. And I think that, you know, when your sleep suffers, we regenerate when we sleep. We create growth hormone, which keeps us young when we sleep. So if you're routinely abusing your sleep, you will absolutely age faster. It's like cigarette smoking, you know, it, may, it ages you. And, 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 and depriving yourself of good quality sleep will do the same thing. And when you're talking about quality of sleep, you're talking about the different, the different stages of sleep, right? Like if you're 
Like, I can't remember. That's the part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you were, if you were going to say, Chris, give me an academic definition of sleep <laughs> quality, I would say, yeah, it's exactly that. It is either creating a fragmented sleep, meaning that, you know, I always kind of compare sleep to a, you know, a concert, you know, if you had, I don't know, Tom Petty, rest is rest in peace. We're giving a concert. You know, you might go in there hoping, oh, I hope he plays American Girl and a couple songs off of Damn the Torpedoes and I love maybe Refugee if I'm lucky. <laughs> and, you know, if somebody says, hey, I was a concert, you were like, oh, wasn't that great? Really? Why? Well, he just kept taking these breaks every 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, really? So he didn't play Refugee? Well, yeah, he played Refugee, but he took three breaks during the song. Well, what are you complaining about? I don't know, man. It's just when you stop playing right in the middle of the song and take a 10 minute break, then pick up in that song, it just kind of lost its... I don't know. It's, it's power, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but it did play the song, right? Well, yeah, but that's not the, so that's kind of how sleep is that you can get eight hours of sleep, but if it's all chopped up by phone calls and snoring and text messages, it, then it really loses its impact. So I think the definition of good quality sleep is sleep that's both continuous, but also has depth, meaning that you are getting into deeper stages of sleep. You are dreaming, you are moving back and forth from those stages yeah. In, a, in, a, in a good way versus it's like the concert you go to where the band only plays stuff off their new album that you hate. You're like, <laughs> oh shit, man. Like, you know, they play U2 is in concert and they played all their new stuff and didn't play Sunday, Bloody Sunday or, you know, with or without you. You're like, crap, man. It's like a very superficial concert. I wanted depth. I wanted to go deep in their archives and they didn't do it. So we need you to play through the entire song and we need you to play some of the old stuff for us to be truly satisfied that the concert was worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's, totally. my analogy. that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Uh, you know, and to, to bring it to what I did from my personal experience, I think the first thing, the simplest thing I did, which changed everything for me was that uh, I now plug my cell phone in the living room at night and I don't bring oh, it in the bedroom. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Hey, hey, kids. I'm going to get my kids down here because they need to hear this. <laughs> Guy works in movies, actually plugs his cell phone in somewhere other than his bedroom and he's not died yet. So there you go. You yeah. can live and not have a cell phone three inches from your ear. Yeah, man. But but the truth of the matter is, is that these cell phones are like a pack of cigarettes. They're so incredibly addictive yeah. at this yeah. point. And, yes. And you bet. My, or a drug. My poor girlfriend, like, she, like I woke up. Now I wake up because I've hit that point where I have to go to the bathroom at night. So I wake up and I try to keep myself, I almost leave my blinders on and I blindly walk down the hallway. I don't turn any lights on and hopefully I, I make the toilet because I just don't want to come out of that sleep mode. <laughs> and when I get back into the bedroom, my girlfriend will be awake and I just see that blue light coming. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I can't sleep. And then the next morning there'll be like, you know, 12 Amazon packages on the front porch. And it's like, <laughs> and she remembers like eight of them. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know why I got this. And it's like, what are you doing? And you've got an I, oboe cleaner. You do not play the oboe. What is this? I, <laughs> I can say this confidently that 95% of the people that I know that have trouble sleeping, um, have their cell phones in their room at night. And like they, and I know that these, you know, these companies like to pretend like they're doing us a favor by saying, hey, it goes into sleep mode. Your phone won't ring. Yep. We're changing the color of the screen to help you sleep at night. Nothing changed my life more than when I just got rid of that fucking phone and I just put it in the other room. 
and I wake up in the morning and I'll check it in the morning. Maybe too early I do that, but it, I was able to start at least getting some sort of sleep when I just got rid of that stress and that was gone for me, you know? Absolutely. And in my new book about kids called The Rested Child, I said that sleep and I mean, school and electronics are the biggest threat to kids. And, you know, it's interesting as an older individual coming to a phone, I mean, there's still a, an addictive property to it, to be sure. Yeah. But I can't imagine what we're going to deal with in a decade or two where the kids who are growing up having never known that there is a time where there wasn't a phone with a game on it in their mom's purse yeah. are going to reach adulthood. I mean, it's sort of like pants. Like I can't imagine a world without <laughs> pants. Um, there yeah. was a world without pants many years ago and it was, you know, then it went to tights and little you know, pantaloons <laughs> or whatever, but like, you know, pants are pretty ingrained in my day to day now. And, and so I can't imagine when phones become pants. Yeah. Now it's, it's true. And, uh, I consider because I'm 43, so we had a landline in our house. We had that sort of thing. I didn't have a cell phone until I was probably into my early 20s. So I, I do know that period. And looking back at that time, it's funny. If the landline rang at your house after 10 o'clock at night, it was like, who died? And if you got on the phone yes. with someone that was doing anything else, you'd just start yelling at them. Like, why are you calling me so late at night? <laughs> And it's, it's completely different now. Like Absolutely. Who died and like somebody didn't have the homework assignment. Oh, dude, I didn't get a, a test tomorrow. Like I don't have the sheet. Can you read out the you know, things we have to study or whatever? You're right. It was one of about three different subjects. Yeah. yeah. And it had to be a good excuse because otherwise you just tear that person apart. And, and now it's, it's common. It's common place where like people are working, um, I, it took me a while to sort of reprimand my clients because my clients would start to text me notes and text me things after nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> you're, you're like, guys, in the beginning, it's okay if I'm younger and it's, if it's an emergency, but it's always an emergency with you guys. It's always the end of the world. And, and it isn't the end of the world for you because I'm a single guy that doesn't have kids but you've got kids, so you can't talk to me until after you do your life stuff, you put your kids to bed and stuff. That's not fair to me. That's not fair to my rhythms that I need. And it's, I, I just think that we're so afraid Absolutely. as a, as a culture to speak up for ourselves um, and our, for our health that we just go, this is what it is, you know? And, you know, Absolutely. fast food. I love it. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. I was about to say, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher one time said, I feel like my inbox is just other people's to-do list for me, which I always thought was awesome. It's so true. That's exactly, he's exactly right. It's yeah. not what I want to do. I want to go out and pick apples and maybe do some fly fishing. It's what you want me to do for you. Yeah. And there's a weird pressure there. Like I, I, I like to clean my inbox out. I don't like to have things in there because it makes me feel like I've got to do something and I hate when I find myself doing it after midnight. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm the same way. I have to clean my inbox out because there's that sense of stress where you're like, and, and then if, if I don't address things in my inbox by a certain period of time, then I just neglect them. And I'm like, I, I can't deal with yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, it's true. It's so true. No, I, yeah. You just kind of hope it disappears. <laughs> like, or when you go back to check on it, you're like, okay, well that's past now. So I can't do anything about it now anyway. So you just let it expire like a gallon of milk. 
But just talking about that is fascinating because you and I agree that affects us mentally, like the inbox oh, and God, how we yes. keep this clean. Yeah. But we would never, and there's probably people listening to the show that are rolling their eyes going, why are they talking about their inbox? Because you should. Like all these small little things are affecting your mental consciousness and affecting your health. Um, and if you start to process it that way and you start to examine sleep, then you go, oh, right. This is why I feel like shit all the time. This is why my back hurts all the time. This is why like I, oh, you know, yeah. I need like three cups of coffee yes. to start functioning in the morning. It's because I'm not processing these simple small things that I think a lot of us are embarrassed to even address because we're supposed to be tougher than that. We're not, you know. Yeah, yeah, tough is a good word. And, and you know, the, I've sort of come to the conclusion where I divide you know, predominantly athletes just because of the interaction that I have with them, but it's everybody into people who are early adopters that sleep is meaningful or they're not. And I guess there, there's all kinds of people. It's like exercise. Yeah. Are you going to be somebody who doesn't exercise until you have a, you know, a TIA or a, a mini stroke? And then you're like, oh my God, I need to get myself together. I mean, you, you meet these people all the time. Like, wow, cousin Jeffrey, you look great. Yeah, well, I had a little bit of a heart scare and now I'm actually doing all the things I was supposed to be doing before because I realized that it's not fake news. Cardiovascular <laughs> disease is not some sort of ploy by the Republican Party, you know, whatever. Right. Um, or you're somebody who you buy into it early. And when you look at athletes who buy into nutrition early, mindfulness early, sleep early, it's just transformative to their career. Mm. So I'm sure that somebody who's a lot smarter than I am could do the math and say, yes, if you stay up all night tonight and do that, you will make a certain amount of money. But your, the quality of your work is going to create a little bit more work for you down the line. So those three hours that you picked up by staying up all night, you're actually going to lose because you're going to have a lot more edits to do on what you've already done because of the mistakes you've made. Yes, for sure. And it's going to create blood pressure issues, anxiety issues, weight issues, blood, you know, blood sugar issues, whatever down the line. And so, yeah, you'll make a little bit more money now, but you're actually going to lose more money in health, health related, you know, bills, uh, medications that you're going to have to take and lost time because of the health things that will pull you out of work because you'll be in the hospital or recovering from your cardiac cath, your diabetic yeah. you know, problem yeah. you have with your insulin regulator, you know, whatever it is. So it's just kind of, can you convince people to look a little further than tomorrow? Um, and, and how can we, you and I make people do that faster? Yeah, because you've come to the conclusion, I've come to the conclusion. But it'd be fun to do a podcast with you and me, and then eighteen-year-old Mike and twenty-one-year-old Chris. Yeah, that right. would be quite the podcast. Like, oh fuck you! Like, toughen up, you baby! Like, and suck it! Like, you know, that's I can hear myself talking to myself. Yeah, you know, back yeah. then I, I was a real, I was really proud of the fact that I could stay up all night a lot and do just fine. You know, in the hospital. Now I did fall asleep. You know with doing things that I should have been, but you know, we didn't care about that. You know, we were tough, we were strong and people who wanted to go to bed on call were just weak. Yeah. You know, hundred so percent. Anyway. It's, it's the same thing, dude. Same thing on my end where like there was a sense of pride where you, you're like, I absolutely, I was up for five days straight. I, I remember when I was, when I went to film school, we used to have to book, and I was in New York in a city that I had never lived in before. And I, I moved there to go 
to school and you, we would have to book out our little edit bays um, in a, a compressed amount of time because all the students had to use the same edit bays. And so I ended up booking mine for three days straight. And I'm like, I have to cut my film in three days because then I lose the edit suite. So I have to do this. And I did 24 hours straight, um, which looking back on it now, there were moments where I napped, where I had like a 10 minute nap here, like a a 15 minute nap here. But the way I would tell the story was that I didn't sleep for 24 hours straight. And uh, I remember finishing the film and I went and I got on a subway. This is a funny story. I went and I got on a subway train and I had to go from Union Square all the way up to the hundreds on the east side. And so I get on this train yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sitting there and I start to hallucinate. I start to see colors in the air. I start to see all this sort of streaming stuff. And then I black out and I wake up. I wake up and I'm laying on the bench with my head in a stranger's lap. Like this big black lady's got my head in her lap and she's stroking my hair and I've missed my stop. <laughs> And she just looks at me and she's like, how are you doing, darling? And I'm like, where am I? What is going on? And I did that stuff. And I, I that story I would tell as a badge of honor. And that, that experience I would tell oh, yeah. as like this really great thing that I went through. And sure, that one-off, it's fine. I don't think that one-off really <laughs> fucked me up. But then I came to realize like every job I was doing had a story like that. Everything that I was doing had yeah. a moment yeah. where I wasn't sleeping or I was losing time. And, and, and you know, once you cross midlife, and no one wants to talk about death because we're all afraid of fucking death. But once you cross that, that midpoint, your body goes, hey, asshole, it's going to take you four days to get over a hangover. It's going to take you this amount of time uh, to get yep. over a cold or a sickness or now your knee goes or your back goes. <laughs> yeah. And it was at that point in time where it was a wake up call for me because it's like, I'm supposed to direct people. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to talk on this podcast and, and, and be able to put my sentences together. Like I didn't get good sleep last night. That's why I'm having a really shitty time doing it today. Um, so yeah, man, it's fascinating. I don't know. It was a rant, but it's, it's a fascinating thing that that mindset that we all have where it's a badge of honor. That, uh, yeah. I remember I, one time in a, in a surgery, when I was doing surgery, and we were really deprived in surgery, um, being in a lecture, and I saw rats. I was like, oh my God. And I saw a rat run really close to the guy who was talking. And for a minute, I was like, I, I should probably say something. Like, there's rats in here. And then I thought, there's no way there's rats in here. I must have hallucinated that. Like if there's rats, people will see them and let them deal with it. I don't want to raise my hand and say there's rats in the place. And then everybody like, Oh my God, he's an idiot. Like there's no rats in here. So I just kept my mouth shut, but I was really close. I had this discussion with myself. Like it was so real that, but people must be seeing this, right? The rat that's up there kind of walking around next to his feet as he's talking about, you know, what the cases were that day or whatever. And I just remember thinking, my God, I'm, I'm hallucinating animals, little running around. Uh, this is not good. <laughs> this yeah. is not good at all. Well, and, and you know, besides our stories being funny and, and quirky and, and strange, it also affects how we process everything and how my, my mood and my attitude oh, yeah. and how I'm interacting with people around me. And, and we're in a culture right now that is so depressed 
and stressed out with so much anxiety because of COVID and because of being locked in and, and not understanding what's going on and then being plugged into these devices that like little vampires are tying into our emotions and selling us things based upon our emotional response. And, you know, many of us are up at three, four in the morning, just glued to these fucking things and then commenting on things online. And, and, and you, it's just this system that we have in place right now that just feels incredibly unhealth, like unhealthy and destructive, you know? Yeah. And, and, and we often talk about the sort of the extreme, the cancer, the Alzheimer's, the heart attack, the stroke. But I think what you're, you're bringing up a good point in that the day-to-day -day of your insensitivity to the feelings of others or not picking up on social cues or yeah. I remember coming on one time and my wife saying, if you're going to act like this, you should just go back to the hospital. And I remember in the moment thinking, I have no idea what she's actually referring to. Yeah, Like I think I'm being a super nice, caring husband and father where I, she's acting like I'm acting like, you know, an asshole. And, and, and we, we lose our ability to sort of control and really even monitor our emotions. We become much less risk averse. Mm -hmm. So the choices that we make when we're sleep deprived are not entirely healthy or ones that we may be feel really good about once we've, you know, gotten past the, 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 the episode and look back on it. So there's a lot of little things that you know, interfere with the way we function and interact with one another, the quality of the work we do. And, you know, a lot of times people compare sleep deprivation with alcohol, like, uh, like being intoxicated. And there's a difference, you know, when you're intoxicated, you know, you are, yeah. you know, you're like, oh man, I'm super intoxicated, but I'm just going to drive really slowly and <laughs> I'm going to just take my time and I'm going to be fine. Even though I know I'm impaired, I'm still going to get behind the wheel of this car and drive home because I'm only a couple miles away. And I know I'm a little, a little off here, but I think if I just go really slow and take my time, I'll be fine. Yeah. Like that's kind of the mental, not that I've driven drunk, but, but, but with sleep deprivation, you've got sort of an equal impairment but far less perception of the impairment. Right. And that's dangerous to be impaired and not know it. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just driving a car. It's talking to your, your, your girlfriend's family. You know, like I'm making a great impression. I'm coming off like a real <laughs> champ here. You know, I think my in-laws are really going to want me and the family versus, you know, when you leave and they're talking like, you cannot marry this guy. He is an idiot. He is rude. He is, will not stop talking, you know, whatever. Like, and it's just your perception of how that interaction went. It's probably way off. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. There are days where I'll wake up and I know that I've had a shitty night's worth of sleep. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to tackle. And I have to tell myself, I'm not going to tackle any important decisions today. I'm going to try not to. Just because I know that I don't have the, the processing power to do it correctly right yeah. now. Yeah. And I think in the end, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and heartache. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Chris, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope those listening um, are just starting to think about it. Like uh, this episode isn't about providing a cure for you. This episode isn't, we're not here telling you that you're doing things wrong. Um, I just want to make sure that you understand uh, that this is an issue. And why am I doing uh, a sleep study episode on a filmmaking podcast? specifically because I think it's a big part of our industry. I think it's a big 
problem with our industry right now. And if we're going to be talking about people being treated fairly, and if we're going to be telling our producers and the people that hire us that we need uh, this sort of quality of life, we need sleep. I think that you need to understand why you need sleep. I think you actually need to understand how to get a good night's sleep. And uh, we've just scratched the surface of what this is. Uh, I highly recommend uh, you check out Dr. Winter's book, um, The Sleep Solution, which is the one I read. And at, what's your new book now? I, I, I haven't seen your new stuff. Yeah, my new book is called The Rested Child, Why Your Tired, Wired, or Irritable Child May Have a Sleep Disorder and How to Help. Oh, that's, um, that's fascinating too. Yeah, yeah so I, I think that you, I think people would probably like, if you have kids, and hopefully it's as, it's equally as good of a read. It just came out uh, about a month, a month or two ago. So, and I'll just say this too, Mike, that you know, I think the world in general is sort of in the debt of the filmmaking industry and in that it's sort of been the bright spot over the last two years. Like I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I don't, you know, I'm not really bathing a lot. I'm seeing patients over a computer, but God bless. There's some good television and movies to watch, <laughs> you know, thank God, you know, what you were able to do and, and the circumstances you were in. So I, I, you know, I think there's probably always been pressure in, in your line of work, but I can't imagine what you're under right now because the only thing good in a lot of people's lives right now are the shows and movies that they're watching and binging. So anyway, I, you know, I think that you all have to absolutely take care of yourselves and, and just start with something small. You know, you're not going to change everything overnight, but just listening to this and educating yourself a little bit about sleep in some way will, will make a big difference in your ability to enjoy your life and keep doing the thing that you've committed to that you love. So long time in the making. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys are, are thinking hard about your sleep. So weird to actually say that out loud. So weird to make that a priority. And, uh, you know, Chris was right when he said, you know, the 21-year-old, the 18-year-old would just be rolling their eyes, right? You, there's a lot of young listeners listening right now. You guys just rolling your eyes going, fuck you, dude. Uh, tell us about the cameras that you shoot with. You know, tell us how to work with actors. Like, we're here for that. We don't want to be reprimanded on our sleep processes. We don't want that. All I can say to you, and not even as an older dude, just as somebody that is further along, this is as important as learning how to set a white balance on a camera. This is as important as to showing up to set on time or to building your toolbox. How can you have a toolbox if you're too tired to open it, too tired to reach in, use those tools and figure out how to process stuff. This is a struggle for me now because I have such bad hygiene, such bad sleep hygiene because of the systems and the processes and the things I fall back on when I get depressed 
And we know that this business is bipolar. Just this week alone, I've had roller coaster rides up and down where I have moments where I'm fucking super excited because stuff is happening to hearing that, hey, it takes uh, groups of people four fucking weeks to get on the phone to talk about one issue. And so I have to wait four more weeks. That's four more weeks closer to death. That's the kind of fucking stress that I put on my work. That's the kind of stress that we put on our work. This is the most important thing in the world to us. And it shouldn't be. Life, the thing that we're talking about, the stories that we're telling, that we observe, life is the most important thing. Your family life, your relationships, your friendships, how you treat yourself. It's crazy stuff, man. And, you know, I don't want to use terms like toxic masculinity or any of that stuff. I don't want to get into that. I think at the end of the day, it's just priorities have shifted. And it really took COVID. It took being in the lockdown for a year for me to even have a moment to process this and go, hey, maybe you should look at your sleep, right? A lot of people are baking bread and doing push-ups. Maybe I should work on my sleep. And what did I do? I know a lot of you might be asking or thinking, what did, what did I do to change my sleep process? I did a couple things. If you're someone that has to go out and buy things, all right, let me help you out. Uh, a, don't purchase these things at night on your phone, okay? I hate to say it, no one wants to hear it. The last thing someone that smokes cigarettes wants to hear is to put down the pack. I get it. Do this one thing. This one thing will change everything for you. And it's gonna be really hard for you to do. You're gonna have a lot of trouble with this. Plug your phone at night. When you're done, plug your phone into the living room into a separate room, into another place. Make sure at a certain point in time, it goes into silent mode. And you're like, yeah, but what if there's an emergency? And what happens if something happens to somebody? If there's an emergency, they'll be able to find you. I, you know how rare it is that there, an emergency phone call comes through? And so what are you doing? You're gonna sit on your phone just in case? And you're gonna lose sleep for how many days because of it? No, put it in the other room. If there's something serious, they'll get in touch with you. You'll know about it, right? I hate to say it selfishly. One of your roommates who isn't doing the same thing, if there's an emergency, they'll come knocking on your door or your family members or your neighbor. So just put it in the other room. We survived without that for years prior to. So if you do that first, huge weight is lifted off, but also a massive crutch is taken off because what happens when you're on your phone at night is that your brain starts to roll again. You start processing things. Oh, it'd be interesting if I bought this, and that's interesting, and this is a thing, and oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. That pisses me off, and your brain starts running again. You don't want your brain running. You want your brain to shut down. The other thing that I did that changed everything, which was kind of counterintuitive, you would think, hey, I have to go to sleep at a certain time every night, right? So I'm going to say, Tomorrow night, I'm going to go to sleep at 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it is, right? So what you do, what I did, is you get into bed and you go, okay, cool, I'm going to do this. Your body's not ready for that because you've been up 
for the crack of dawn for the whole other process of the week, the whole other bit of the week. So you're like, okay, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And you can't go to sleep and you're tossing and turning. And you're like, well, yeah, but I wanted to go to bed early to do this. Try doing this instead. Make sure you wake up at the same time every day. You get out of bed at the same time every day. So you set an alarm on an alarm clock, not your phone. You set an alarm and you wake up at nine o'clock every day, 9.30 every day. Maybe it's earlier because you gotta go to work, but you wake up at that time. What ends up happening is your body starts to tell you when it needs to go to sleep and it does it on its own. It was pretty crazy where I said, all right, I'm gonna be getting up at like nine o'clock every day. So then through the course of the next few weeks, I was like, I'm tired, I gotta go to bed. I gotta go to bed. I'm going to bed at like 10 o'clock. I gotta go to bed at 11. Because your body knows how much sleep it needs. That's a huge thing that changed everything. But anyway, talking about buying things, get a great pair of sheets. Spend money on good sheets. Sheets that don't itch, sheets that feel good, sheets that wick, get rid of heat, all that stuff. Make sure your bedding is comfortable. I put up with itchy bedding for years and I was just like, whatever, man, they're cheap. I got, a, I got a sweet deal. They fuck with your sleep. Get a decent bed and not a bed that is just, um, you know, cheap. Get a bed that actually supports you. Go, when you shop for a mattress, go to a bunch of different places. Go to the cheap spots, but also go to the most expensive spots, places that you can't afford. Go in and out of those spots, try beds, lay on beds, It'll blow your mind. And then when you come down to deciding how much money you're going to spend on bed, remember, if you get a good one, you're going to have that thing for eight years, 10 years, 12 years, right? If you're flipping it and you're doing the, ma the maintenance correctly, if you get a double-sided mattress. So you spent half your life on that fucking thing. Maybe you spent a little bit of money on it. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to do an ad reader sponsor for it. It's just the reality of it. Um, and then uh, make sure your room's dark and make sure uh, it's quiet. It sounds stupid, right? It sounds simple. Go check out your room and see how many of those things that you're failing on. If you're being graded, change those things. And then the last thing changed everything for me. Have a process that you do the same way every night. I don't get to do this as, as often as I want, but one of the things that helps me get rid of a lot of the shit that I'm thinking about is that before I go to bed, a half hour before I go to bed, I'll sit down and write a to-do list for tomorrow. And that helps me put a lot of those thoughts that I'm afraid that I'm gonna lose on the piece of paper. Tomorrow I'll deal with this shit. I can let go of it. Then I have this stupid system of stuff that I like to do. I like to go make my bed. So I make my bed first and as I'm making my bed, I make sure that I dim the lights in my room. I'm not using bright lights in that room. My body's like, oh, this asshole's getting ready to go to sleep, got it. And then I go take a shower, brush my teeth. I have these routines. Remember those routines you had when you were a kid? Remember how deep you used to sleep when you were a kid? Mom would tuck you in, she'd read you a book, you go to sleep, right? You gotta do that same stuff as an adult. I'm telling you, it sounds ridiculous, but it's gonna change everything for you. Definitely check out Chris's book, Open My Mind to All This Different Stuff, and he's right. There are people out there, there are doctors out there uh, that will help you uh, get control of your sleep. Try not to turn to medication first. Okay? That's it. I am going to shut up now and try 
to take a nap because I'm fucking exhausted. All right, guys. I love you. Thanks for listening to the show.